Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at Frito-LaySnackIt.SBNation.com. Yeah, I want to see Jerry Burns on the zip line. It's my dream of my life now. <laughs> I want to get the audio. How about you, Ted? Super Bowl, homeboy. Yeah! Super Bowl, absolutely. <laughs> Super Bowl or bust. Miami or bust. Ted, how are you doing now that we know of? <coughs> Drew's going through a COPD fit. Needs to go, probably call an ambulance. If I was doing any better, I'd be against the law. How are you guys? <laughs> That's well put. Doing okay. Doing okay. When's the season start? How many days? 70, what? Four. 74 days. Now, is that the start of the NFL season? No, that's the start of our season. The other teams don't matter, so the NFL doesn't matter. The only, <laughs> the only thing that matters is the Minnesota Vikings. That's the only thing that matters. And we are, as of today, 74 Bryant McKinney days away from kickoff. Well, that's when we record. When this comes out, can you do the math? Well, I don't know how many days till it comes out. Well, we'll by the by the time you render this and publish it, it'll be like 12 days before the season starts. <laughs> well, oh, there's, a, there's a specific target date of July 8th, and you will be seeing why July 8th means something to all of us. I can't figure that out. That's too much mass for this late at time. So. <laughs> but speaking of other teams that don't count. None of them count. What did you think of the story about that team from Wisconsin and their oh. efforts to get their players to get along and bond? You, you know, honestly, the first thing I thought of, do you remember back in the – it would have been the late – 80s, I believe it was, with the Vikings when they had all that talent on the team and they never went more than 10 and 6 or 11 and 5 and they checked out of the first round of the playoffs. And I I think it was GM Mike Lynn or it might have been uh, uh, Roger Hedrick, the guy that took over after him. 
Oh my God, I haven't heard that name in so long. Do you remember? And he took them all to like some team building thing out in the Grand <laughs> Canyon. Do you remember that? Yeah. You remember what I'm talking about? Yeah, and, I do and remember it, that. And it was like supposed to bring the team together and everything else. And it just <laughs> failed miserably. I don't even know if they went to the playoffs the next year. And, and all I can remember is like, you imagine Jerry Burns getting ready to do like, like a, like a, a zip line across the canyon. <laughs> this, that, that, this, that, that. Zip line this. You, you can't, you can't force, you, you cannot force a unit to be cohesive. You can't. They either get along or they don't get along. And if Jerry you have good Burns leaders, on a zip line. <laughs> and, and, start counting the F bombs. And if, and, if, and if they can't get along, but at least they respect each other, you can sort of have a bit of unit cohesion that way if you have really good leadership. I don't know that the Packers have good leadership. I, I, I honestly think with a, with a new coach, um, I think they are, they are in for a very bad season. Aaron Rodgers and Devontae Adams aside. Well, who was that dude on uh, NFL Network, I think it was, that was previewing the, the teams, the divisions team by team? He had us going 5-11, and 11 and he had the Packers like 12-4. and four. Adam and I was Rank. Wondering, Adam Rank. I was wondering, what kind of drugs is he doing? I, you know, the Packers, as long as they have Aaron Rodgers, are going to be media darlings. They, they just are. Always have been. Uh, I, I mean, they they were, you know, they were on the verge of, of, of leaving Wisconsin because they had to play half their home games in Milwaukee until Favre showed up. And now for the, the past 25 years, whatever it was, they've had, they've, they've had Hall of Fame quarterback play. When Rodgers retires, Another Hall of Fame quarterback, which I highly doubt. Um, they're just going to be another team, like that. Uh, what was it? About two decade gap between Bart Starr and Brett Favre. Yeah, for for twenty years they were a terrible, terrible franchise. Yeah, the we used to seventies and eighties work them like a two dollar Sacramento whore in the seventies. They were no, <laughs> they were no match. We were licking tits weekly on them. Um, if you have to go out and do bonding things and make purposely have to go out and zip line and stuff, that means you don't have it to begin with. That stuff all comes naturally. I mean, you got, you got guys meeting up for a barbecue or going bowling. It's not, it's not a planned thing. Then that's when you really got it going together. If you purposely have to make these ventures out, then you don't have it to begin with. You're trying to get it. And and when you're when you're highest paid player and your biggest star which happens to be your quarterback which is by default the natural leadership position on a football team if he's the guy that's causing or is the root or part of the problem then it makes it that much more difficult for a team to come together i mean he's already throwing the floor under the bus yeah and the season hasn't even gotten come close no. to starting so I, I don't know. I I, I think it's I don't be- I don't see a lot of strengths on that team. When I look at the NFC North and break it down roster by roster, I don't I don't I see a lot of young players on that team, but it's not what it was. It's not no. at all to me. I mean what do they got at wideout? They got one guy, and, yep. you know, and they their quarterback is no spring chicken. So No, he's Joe Flacco. Stats wise over the last couple of years, two, three years. Wow. Flacco Stein, that'll get people uh, fired up. 
Oh, well, that, uh, <laughs> that, that's the stats he's putting out. Yeah, everybody thinks Aaron Rodgers is great. And, yeah, he has had talent, and he's led, he plays some good football. But when it comes down to how you can produce <clears throat> and whether you produce winners and win games and such, last couple of years, nope. I, I think that running back they had, Aaron Jones, can be good. Um, Mike McCarthy did an amazing job. Of, of neutralizing him as soon as he started being affected by taking him out of the game for long stretches of the time. That was long a head stretcher. That was and, a head scratcher. I mean, if, if, if Matt LaFleur has any common sense, he'll make Aaron Jones his, his workhorse back and just kind of see where that goes. I, I, think, if they, I, I think Jones, Rodgers, and Devontae Adams can be a pretty good – three-headed monster for Green Bay. I, I'm i still not really sold on their offensive line and their defense is still... Yeah, but that's I if mean, they gel as a team. True. Yeah, right now, true. we're not seeing that. That's true. Which and, is know, great. I hope we don't. If you know, Who's going to step up for the Packers if Devontae Adams gets another concussion? Equimenius St. Virgin <laughs> Island Brown or whatever the dude's name is? Come on, man. Well, the, the, the separation for me really comes when I look within the division. The separation for me really comes with the defenses. And the Bears and the Vikings, to me, defensively, yes. are head and shoulders above the Lions and that team from Wisconsin. I and absolutely me, agree. It's a yes, big separation there. And I think that defense does still matter. It uh, does. But, but the team from Wisconsin has no depth. And so, I, I don't know. I'm not, I still think we're sitting on papers. I mean, I hate saying that because that's such a shitty thing because it always backfires. Uh, you take all those turnovers away that the Bears got, we're probably the division winners. So, and they're not going to get those again. Yeah. Well, so. that, you know, they're not going to be plus 422 in turnover margin like no. they were last year. Right. And their, their defensive was gone. I mean, if Mike Zimmer left, yeah, it'd be a head coaching change, but he, he's essentially their defensive coordinator too. Mm -hmm. you, you look what he did with essentially the same defense. From 2013, when they were statistically one of the worst defenses in the NFL, to like a top 15 defense in his first year. You, you can't tell me coaching doesn't matter in the NFL. Coaching is the difference between 5-11 and 11 and 11-5. 11 I, I really Absolutely. firmly believe that. Absolutely. And, and, and Vic Fangio, I, the, the Bears defense is still going to be very good, but it's, it's going to drop off. They're not going to have that turnover margin like they had last year, like you mentioned. That's a good Drew. point. They, they lost and, Fangio. Uh, the team from Wisconsin is new coaching staff all the way around. Detroit's got Patricia who just stares off into space. So, coaching hey, wise, we have hey, a strong don't slouch. Respect the process. <laughs> we got the we have probably the most solid coaching staff. Now that being said, we're bringing in a new scheme offensively. Uh, is it though? I mean, I mean, Stefanski, I, I don't know. Is it? Well, to me, it's Kubiak's the offensive coordinator. I don't really know what Stefanski's supposed to be doing. But... I'm not so sure about that, especially what's come out lately. I'm not what's worried about shit. We got a kicking coach, so we're going to win it all. Damn straight. <laughs> you got that right. Um, No, but what, what's coming out lately about Kubiak is his role is being more and more revealed. What's his role, David? Give us his role, Zipline King. Well, we originally thought it was going to be head coach offense. Right, because Zimmer loves his defense, 
Loves the guys on his defense. Everything about his defense. He studies offenses all summer long on how to defeat them, how his defense can beat them, right? Everything's defense. As far as offense, he hates offense and he hates kickers, right? So, so what did he do? This, the offense? That's what it's so what did he do this offseason? Off season? He hired Greg Kubiak, right, who's Who? um, Kubiak, right. Coach Kubiak, who and the whole Denver oh. Mafia, right, to come in and take the whole responsibility of offense off his shoulders, right? He can say, whoop, that's yours, right? I don't have to worry about it. I have to worry about defense, right? And he also hired uh, Nick Keating to be the kicker's coach so he can say, I don't have to worry about the kicker anymore. I hate kickers. He's all yours, right? Is that official? I thought it was just like he's officially their, their kicking coach. I thought that was like a no, he's part-time official. experiment thing. Yeah. Okay. No, Dan, no, no. Dan he Bailey is- must be psyched. Dan Dan Bailey hits 25 field goals in a row. It's the kicking coach's fault. Dan Bailey misses 25 field goals. Well, he'll be gone by then. Then he didn't listen to the kicking coach. So Dan Bailey's basically out. You know, he doesn't have a leg to stand on anymore. No, but I think it will actually help. But we've had this. What can it hurt? We're not paying for it. Let him have 10 kicking coaches. Yeah, exactly. Um, But Kubiak, and I get my sources listening to Skull North mostly, but also reading all across the web and et cetera. When it turns out, everybody was thinking this is Kubiak's offense and that, you know, he was basically hired. Stefanski was named OC and then Kubiak was hired and it was, all right, Stefanski, you're OC in name only, but it's going to be Kubiak's deal. Well, it turns out that Stefanski is calling the plays and setting up the offense and he's, you know, drawing from all his experience back to Childress on forward, all the different types of offenses that he's seen run. And he's making, ass, man. He's, he's making a Vikings offense, right, to fulfill Zimmer's wishes to run more, more play action pass, etc. But he's also so being influenced by Kubiak as to what works and what doesn't and how to set up this offense to be a zone running and how to make it work. And he's doing that. But the whole idea of rather than Kubiak being the one actually calling the plays and directing shit from on high or from 30 yards behind the line of scrimmage, is that Kubiak is the sounding board for Zimmer. They're peers. He will be calling the plays after Stavansky gets fired. And they bounce back and forth. You know, one of the first questions supposedly Zimmer asked him is, how do you deal with expectations? Because every time the Vikings had a good year, the next year there was tons of expectations, right? Hey, they're going to be a Super Bowl team. They're going deep into the playoffs, right? And what they do? They shit themselves, right? Whether it be in 2016 or last year in 2018. And the whole idea of how did you deal with these expectations, because Kubiak had the same ones, that is helping. It's the... Bouncing back and forth those two, Zimmer and Kubiak, that are making for a more well-rounded approach to allow Stefanski to set up the offense he wants, right, within Zimmer's parameters, while Zimmer still maintains the majority control of the defense. Dave, how long have I known you? 
Since when? Jesus. Uh, 2000, 2004? Two, Here it four, comes. I'm, I'm not going to like this next statement. You're, you're one of my best friends. <clears throat> but that, I can't get on board with. <laughs> I can't. I mean, they, I mean, okay, so okay, so she's a sounding board. So that all sounded team. good, Dave. Dave, that was a hell of a job. Hell of a I, it job. was. I mean, I mean, you, you really, you, you really laid it on thick. I'll give you that. <laughs> you, 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 my friend, laid it on thick. But we have no idea how it's going to work. I, I, I personally think I, I'm going to take the the flip side of the argument and, and think if you have if you have too many cooks, you spoil the broth. I mean, so Kubiak's what a co-offensive court coach, offensive. Head, head coach offense is the easiest and, way to put so it. Coop, and, and Stefanski's the offensive coordinator, and I, I I don't know. I mean, it just uh, – Stefanski's the fall guy is what, what he is. What? Then I need to know who's going to be the fall guy. Who, yeah. He, is, Carter he said is the, the fall guy. He's had the, have he's a fall a, guy with you. Stefanski's the, the fall guy. guy. Yeah, he is the fall guy. Did he, did he meet with Stefanski in the offseason, Zimmer, and say – do you, can you? It seemed like Kubiak was hired because Zimmer doesn't trust Stefanski or he's not experienced enough as a coordinator. And maybe I don't know if he sat him down and went, "Do you think you can handle this job on your own? If not, we're going to get Gary Kubiak in here to kind of oversee the whole thing." Because if that was the case, then Stefanski was the one who voted for it, so he's not going to have a problem with it. Because is, could that have well, been how the conversation went? Like, well, he didn't just come into Stavansky's office one day and say, "Hey, we're getting Kubiak. Deal with it." I don't everything know I read, everything I've read, and whether it's true or not, who knows? It could be all propaganda. Is it is that Stefanski uh, uh, lobbied for Gary Kubiak? And I read this and heard that same thing. So, so he lobbied to be the scapegoat. <laughs> <laughs> Look. Some people know their roles. Maybe he knows he's, nah, he's going know, to be a fall guy. You know what, I, I mean, Ted? If this offense know. goes to shit and we're one in five, Kubiak's not getting fired. He's not, he's no, not no, he's going to be the interim fired. head coach is what he's going to be. He's going to be saying, well, I'm just the advisor. The advisor never gets fired. Yeah. I just, I, to me, I just feel like, you know, if somebody brought me in the studio, hey, Drew, we want you to play these bass lines in this song. Okay. And then I look at the songs and then they go, you see that guy standing over in the corner? He's actually going to tell you the notation to play. What? <laughs> then why don't you just have him do it? What the fuck am I even doing here? Yeah, I, uh, I, I'm just unsettled. I mean, Stefanski knows these players better than both Kubiak and Zimmer. That's the one thing I will I will say. He knows Cousins. He knows what he does well. He knows Diggs, Thielen. He knows how they run their routes. He knows Rudy. He knows the strong points of his tight end. He knows... He knows those players better than both those guys, so they better use that to their advantage. Kubiak and doesn't know. Kubiak doesn't know how Thielen and Diggs run route. Kevin Stefanski knows that shit, so the they better use it. Go ahead. You're right. You're absolutely right. But the flip side of that argument, and I'm just, I guess, I'm just playing devil's advocate tonight. But the flip side of that argument is, is uh, Kubiak or, or Cousins knows Kubiak's offense. I mean, he's very comfortable in it, and so I, I think if he kind of gets where, if they can get on the same page, they might be able to figure something out. I, I don't know. I'm just, I'm just about the whole thing, man. I just, well, I just you got know, to... you know what, Ted? You got to feel a little bit better than than Di Filippo was disconnected from Cousins. He came in and told yes. Cousins, he came in, showed Cousins, this is what you're gonna do. The, you know, this is what these are the plays you're gonna run, and this is how you're gonna do it. 
Kubiak came in here, and the first thing he did is sit Cousins down and go, what do you like to do? Yeah. That's a difference. That's getting on page with your quarterback. Yeah. There was a total disconnection between Floppo the Clown and Cousins. I don't think – remember the first – what's the first game Stefanski was the coordinator after Flippo got fired? Was that Miami, Miami game? Yeah. They scored went, three touchdowns yeah. on the first three drives. That was pretty great. So – but then, but then the other two games they were terrible. And, and no, they, I know, I know. They couldn't get out of way against the Bears at home for a playoff spot on the line. I, I, I you know, the, when it all, when you tear it all down, what David said, his fine speech, and let me tell you, that was that was very well said. It's like you were watching. It's my dream, baby. I <laughs> want to live it. Maybe it, it, you know, it comes down when a lot of times you look at it. This is just another selling point for them to say, all right, now we got it figured out. Every year, all right, this is what the problem was last year. All right, now. Now we got Kubiak. Everything's going to be good. So, and maybe that's my problem because every year they say, "Well, this well, is what we right did wrong." You have a right to be cautious. You have a right to be cautious. And, and you know, every year it's like, "Well, last year this is what happened that was wrong, and we fixed it." You know, last year it was, "Well, we needed a quarterback, so we got Cousins." The year before that, it was, um, I don't know what it was. The year before, it was something. It was, oh, all the injuries. Well, now we're all healthy, and then that, you know, I, and then in 2015, it was, well, we lost. You know, we lost. Our quarterback Daddy. and our—I mean, just there's—it's every year it's something, and every year we go into training camp going, hearing that well we've we've got that whatever that is fixed, and it's like whack a mole. They they okay they get that fixed, and then something else pops up. And I, I don't know. I'm just frustrated, man. I'm just but but, it, but as much as it's a soup sandwich on one side, you got to look at the pattern of what has worked good and what has worked good since Zimmer's been there is the defense. True. The, de- Very the true. defense. The defense since the moment he walked in the door has gotten better and stayed better. That is the part of the the team that has carried this team. If it wasn't for the defense over the last five years, we'd be below the Lions every year. So that that is so they got that end of it figured out. And I think the offense has been. My question is, why does it take five or six years to address a poor offensive line? I mean, until we got Pat Elfline, the line has struggled. It just seems between Spielman and Zimmer, they never wanted to address it or they thought it was good enough or something. But that's where the games are won and lost. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neelai Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial Series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial Series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it.
you can get it wherever you get your podcasts. Well, like but, I said, I think Zimmer hates the offense. He doesn't want to deal with it. But you have to build your line. You have to build your off. You can't just, I mean, three years ago, we had the worst offensive line in football. I mean, we've gotten better at addressing the needs on it. And this year, it's looking a lot better than it has since Zimmer's. This is probably going to be Zimmer's best offensive line. Well, I saw a poll on Twitter today was, what's more important to have on offense? A good offensive line or a great offensive line? Good wide receivers or a scheme? I think scheme and offensive line. I mean, yeah, I, 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 I think, and and you can you can go back and forth on on either one, but you have to have the right players to run the scheme you want. If if you have if you have a bunch of three hundred and fifty pound meat wagons, then you, you want, want to run a and you want to run a zone blocking scheme. Well, then yeah. you're stupid. You you want yeah. to run a power straight ahead, knock you in the mouth, you know, road grader concept whatever the heck they is called that day i don't know whatever it's power but it's called power. you know power uh, yeah so scheme scheme and o-line is important but you got to have the right people to be able to run the scheme you want too well the o-line was like at 66 percent and then next came scheme and wide receivers good wide receivers was like at three percent well i think that's because we haven't had a good offensive line in so <clears> long <throat> that we're you know we're, we're desperate mm-hmm. for what we don't have, right? And think, and and well think that's the magic elixir. And so this year, when the line's good and the receivers are still good, what's what's going to be the thing that that will say, "Oh, that's what the problem was"? I'm mean, when they're eight, eight and eight again this year. Oh no, no, no. Yeah, the the, the being able to hang it on the hanging on the offensive line. The offensive line has clearly been a problem. So it's been easy to. I mean, look at the pressures and everything the quarterback's under. If nobody has any more uh, excuses left, it's Cousins. I mean, if they fix the O-line, he has he has two of the best wide receivers in football. He's got a great running back, a chunk yardage running back. Yeah. Um, got I don't a decent know, tight I don't know end what, and a brand new one that should brand, be good. Yeah. He's got, a, he's got a brand new a tight end that was ranked, what, second in the country in college football. So I don't really, I don't really know. He doesn't have any. The Vikings don't have any excuses. All, all I know is I'm going to have to drink a lot this year. Hey, that's <laughs> going to make GMG and raw sackles, baby. You know, I I hate I hate if I were to watch this podcast and listen to me for the first time, I would not like me because I I know I'm coming off as so negative, but I mean. The, and and I don't know why, because there are so many good things to like about this team. Especially since your team just won the Stanley Cup, for God's right? sake. Well, right? Play Gloria, baby. Play Gloria. No. Well, how old are you? Who, me? Ben? Yeah, I, I will be. I will be 52. I'll be 52 next month in July. You had to think and, about well, that. If this, if, this appears, if this appears on July 8th, I will be 52 in a week is what uh-huh. I will be. All right. I'm 55. How many seasons have we watched of Vikings when it's supposedly fixed? All of them. All of them. <laughs> Our entire lives. <laughs> All of them. Wait, wait, wait. Every year I buy it. Hey, those early 80s teams, we all know we were going to win one game, <laughs> one or two games. Come on now. Well, fortunately, those those were the years. That's what, when I moved to Columbus, we didn't have the internet. So I, I, <laughs> 
I thankfully missed a lot of those years. So, oh man, those were tough years. Well, but for me, yeah. I was missing the late seventies when I was in New Hampshire. I was watching the Patriots every weekend. So, yeah, you know, I just, you know, Drew, you said earlier on paper, and I hate that term too, but you look at the roster of this football team, and I'm, I'm honestly trying to find a a glaring weakness. I mean, people could say, well, the offensive line, but they fixed. They they got they got a, a stud in Garrett Bradbury. I think they're moving they're moving Pat Elfline to left guard, who I think is going to be and he's healthy, and I think he's going to be better. I think the position switch, and now that he's healthy, he's going to be good. And he's I, reported they, to be have been beefed up and increased in strength from yeah. last year. The reporters, the beat writers, have said the dude's huge, and, and they got they got a very good. At least league average left tackle on Riley Reef. Um, Josh Klein or Drew Samias were going to be the right guard, and that's whoever. And if Klein reverts back to the way he played a couple years ago, we're going to be happy as shit. Well, either way, it's an upgrade over Mike Remmers. Yes. And then they got a, a really young, promising guy in Brian O'Neill at right tackle. And you're thinking, that's that's a. I, I, I like it. I On paper, I like this offensive line. On paper, I like Kirk Cousins. Well, I like Calvin first, Cook. Yeah, this is this is something I mentioned to Dave last time we when we did that interview. Like we talked a couple weeks ago. If you look at the Vikings roster, if you go down it from last year and this year, last year, right at this time, right at this time, everybody was saying, you know, we we're coming off that you know NFC Championship game. We're going to Super Bowl. We got a Super Bowl team. This year, we pretty much have the same team. But yeah. everybody's go, yeah. But I was asking Dave, how are people thinking it's eight and eight or seven and nine with the same guy? It's just like it's, it's a mind of how it's it my, yeah. It shouldn't be that way. It's how a fan looks at things. It's how I look at things because we we the eight seven and one, even though the roster is pretty much the same, has drawn us into this big cautionary, you know, that we're not we're pessimistic about it. And I am too, and I don't know. I mean, the way we're talking eight and eight, seven and nine is like if we lost twelve guys. We haven't lost. We yeah. lost Sheldon Richardson on defense. Who else or, or, they, or they had a complete uh, coaching turnover and front right. office turnover, and none of that happened. And and all the key guys thought were probably going to walk due to salary uh, concerns, like Kyle Rudolph or Everson Griffin, uh, are, are all back. And, and they, they re-signed. Everybody's we thought, back. We thought Anthony Barr was gone, and he came back in free agency. I mean, well, and it's, we no, shouldn't be this negative. Why are we this Super negative? Bowl, yeah, why is that Super Bowl hype? Where was it from last year to this year? How come it's not happening right now? I don't know. Because we're not coming off of the season we had two years ago where we made the NFC Championship. No. that That's the difference. You know what? Zimmer, Zimmer has the horses. If we don't go to the playoffs, Zimmer should be fired the next day after the season ends. And he's not. He's yeah, right. They, they have. Will. They have the. They have a. They have a really good. We got a good football team, and they should at least at least make the postseason. I mean, come on, man. And think of the defense. These guys on the defense, all the starters, right? Shamar Stephen included, have all played together. For at least three years, some of them up to five. Dude, that's unheard of in this day and age. It's unbelievable in this day and age. And Zimmer, you were talking about one of the keys is that we have a good defense, right? And Chicago has a good defense, right? Green Bay, eh. 
Lions, right? Well, that good defense. Respect the process. Yeah. Um, that good defense. Every time there's a good defense, there's always regression the next year, right? That is the general trend in NFL history, right? Zimmer. It has been with some of the greatest defenses that have ever played. Zimmer, however, took a last-place defense and put it in the top 10, right, the next year, and then we've been top five ever since. He's done that like five years in a row. That's unheard yeah. of. Yeah, it is. Yeah, but we already know that, but we can't go eight, seven, and one with a defense like that. I mean, you can't do it, dude. No, no. It's got to be a whole team play. It you know, we had discussed the the whole wheel of blame on last season, but um, no, it shouldn't. You it should it, be that good. We should go in and win twelve wins. That's you know, that's what you I'm know, predicting. An easy twelve wins. You know what it is for me, maybe now. Now that we've been talking, it, it's just, us. tell us, Tarasenko. What the hell is it? <laughs> Snipe five hole. Um, I I think honestly it's it's the mental resiliency of this team last year. There there from and I would argue I would argue from Mike Zimmer on down. Um the locker room chemistry, there was I, I've said this before and I'll say it, I'll take it to my grave. There was a fracture in the locker room and I don't know who caused it and I'm not I'm not throwing stones and I'm not saying it was anybody's fault, but but the all for one mentality they had in 2017 when they rallied behind uh, Case Keenum after after uh, Sam Bradford got hurt, and then after Dalvin Cook got hurt, that that was that was one of the the funnest teams that just put nobody first that I have ever watched for the of, of the Minnesota Vikings. And there was they they didn't have that last year, and that led to this mental um, weakness, for lack of a better word. They when it was. When it was when it came time to put up or shut up in 2017, they put up nine yes. times out of ten. They put up, and in 2018, they shut up. Whether it was Kirk Cousins or or whether it was the defense, because we could everybody blames Kirk Cousins for that last game in, uh, against the Bears at home, but it wasn't Kirk Cousins that let a Mitchell Trubisky run offense run all over the Vikings defense for the better part of the entire second half and put the game away with two really long scoring drives. There, there was there was plenty of blame to go around for everybody last year, and if they can figure that out, you know, go to the Grand Canyon, do some zip lining. I, <laughs> I, but that's that's the key. I think that's well, for, the thing. I that's think what you're on. I think you're. I think you're onto something there because if you look at the roster and paper, really has to change. It has to be something. Oh, it, and it, something it, happened last. Whether it was the death of Sperano, whether Everson Griffin was a bigger part of that locker room than we thought, and he was gone all of a sudden. There wasn't that big brother, father figure walking around keeping people in line or whatever. We didn't have Greenway anymore, which was a big part of the locker room. Terrence or, Newman was a Robeson. big part of the locker room. I, I think Robeson. Robeson, that's who I meant. Okay. Um, all that was gone. And I everything you just said, I have to agree with because it's not the – we didn't lose four or five players on each side of the ball. We didn't. No. Something was disconnected, and something in that Bears game was dead, done, and stinking. Something didn't feel right, right because then. they didn't come out. They no, didn't in the defense. In play place, it, right, like, the defense got ran over. You know what? It almost got to the point watching that game. I was talking to Man Bear, even watching with Ruby. Ruby's very, very. Ruby's really good to watch games with because she doesn't get so psychotic as I do. She looks at things more rationally. 
we almost were saying the well, those words you don't want to say about your team. It looks like we're quitting. You'd never want to say that. But right. that's what it felt like. It felt like we were catching it in. You never want to see that. And I and I think both sides of the ball did. Yes. Yes. And so they need to get that back. They need to get whatever mojo that was in 2017 with Keenum. They got to get it back. And they got to make play. They got to get it back. Whatever, whatever that is. Yeah, but I think they have. When you have people like um they, Anthony Barr. You can't, you can't say they oh, have. Oh, 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 how, how do we when know? You got, when you got people like Anthony Barr that leaves millions on the table to say, hey, no, I want to stay here. This culture means so much. Or you have Rudolph who could have sat pat and said, hey, I'm going off to a big payday. But no, he gets extended, goes for an extension, which we haven't gotten into, but it can only be – you know, two, three years, you know, and doesn't make a whole lot more money because he wants to be here. That to me shows that, hey, some of these fences and some of that disaster from last season may be mended and we may be on the good side of that mental wellness divide. Uh, it's too, too hard to we good. have, though. I can't really, I got to side with kind of what Ted said. About when the locker room gets fractured, a coach can't put it to get back together. Coaches no. can't do it. Coaches, it's, it becomes more divided. The locker room is together. The players run the locker room. And I don't know whether they need to, who's going to bring that back and get that back in there. But this is I, oftentimes when people overlook what veteran leadership's all about. Robeson, people say, oh, he wasn't, you know, what, what was he to the team? He was huge to that part of the team. Yeah. I, I'll tell you, Drew, you know, the more you talk about Griff, I think. Well, we talked about this last year. I th I think his when he had his his mental health problems last year, right? That affected that affected everybody on that team to the core because it's it, he's one of the, he's one of their vocal leaders. He's one of the guys that gets everybody fired up, and and he couldn't take care of himself for a while. And I I just think he was when he did come back, he wasn't he was there, but he wasn't there. I mean, he was he he was obviously, and and I, I'm not. I'm not saying he wouldn't have been anybody would have been, but he was trying to get himself right. And and when you're, when you're still working on yourself, you can't be there. You have to be there for yourself first. You can't always be there for your team. Right. You gotta be that locker room leader that, that a guy like Brian Robeson or Terrence Newman could have stood up and said, I've got this. We're good. By all accounts, Everson Griffin is back and he's how he's, he's in a good place. And that is wonderful to hear. And I, I hope he's found, a a a a program or a a medicine or whatever um, whatever it is that 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 keeps him on that on that good path because that makes the that makes him a good person yeah, he, a better person it makes the Vikings a better team exactly so, right I mean, yeah. he wasn't going to come back and walk in and say hey I'm the leader again he wasn't no, he, he wasn't, wasn't in that and, and and unfortunately he's not it's not the position he probably wanted to be in I didn't expect him to do that right but right. But I've watched the Vikings for 50 years, and I've never seen us. I've never seen us be a 16-point favorite and lose by three touchdowns, and that's the week it happens. So yeah. that all that has to play together because I've never seen us blow a game like that that bad. No, no. Well, with Griffin, nobody. With Griffin, from what we read, in a much better place, you know, mentally, and the whole team mentally. We're going to end this episode on those happy notes. Drew, you got anything last things to say? Uh, man, man, Viking cow. I want to see Jerry Burns on the zip line. 
my dream of my life now. <laughs> I want to get the audio. How about you, Ted? Super Bowl, homeboy. Yeah. Absolutely. <laughs> Super Bowl or bust. Miami or bust. Let's start blowing our balloons up so we can all get a pop. Let's blow it up. Go, Most of the time, we talk about tech in terms of a handful of gigantic companies like Google, Meta, and Apple. But some of the most interesting stuff we find online is the product of a single person. When you're working on your own, I think there's this beauty of being able to come up with an idea and then implement it then in that moment. You don't have to have permission from someone else. There's no red tape. In the Vergecast series, Solo Acts, we'll get to know these people, the tech they use to get stuff done and the obstacles they face trying to compete with the giants. Some people that I talk to and my friends are like, you know, your competitors are Zuckerberg and Musk. Like, aren't you kind of like afraid of that? Every Monday, our friend Ashley Escada will be curating and hosting these interviews and sharing with us what she's learned. I can't believe the McRib locator was originally a tornado locator. Right. <laughs> Pretty wild. Listen to our Solo Acts miniseries now in the Vergecast feed, anywhere you find podcasts.